Hey, this is Dan Nathan. You're listening to the podcast version of Trading Spaces. It's a live Q&A that I do with my on-the-tape co-host, Guy Dami, every Monday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern on Twitter Spaces. All right, it's the top of the hour. This is Trading Spaces. I'm Dan Nathan. That was Guy Adami. He finally rejoined still us. still here. Still here. We, we are still here. We do this every Monday and Wednesday. Today is Wednesday. We do it at 1 o'clock Eastern. We talk markets. We take your questions. We're going to be really formal with this thing. We're going to goof around a little bit. I mean, Guy, you obviously can't afford this. But we just started putting this in our on-the-tape podcast feed in your favorite podcast store. Sure. Um, so, so subscribe to that. Um, this is hosted and sponsored by CME Group. Um, they are the sponsor of our podcast on the tape. We had a great episode, Guy, that dropped on Friday. Um, you were involved in one of the portions uh, with Stacey Cunningham, the president of the NYSC. We covered tons of great stuff, her history on the exchange, becoming president, starting as an intern and regulation and uh, meme stock trading and all this other stuff is great. And then Danny and I, you probably didn't listen to it because you don't listen to our podcast guy. No. But Danny and I did the front portion of that thing and we kind of went at it a little bit. I think uh, it with was each like, other, you guys yeah, got to do it with e- a, a little bit. So everyone check that out this week. We have a great wow. episode. We already titled it. It's WTF is the metaverse. We had Packy McCormick and not boring. We had Jared Dicker, the churning group, and we had Meltem Demers um, of CoinShares, and we're just talking about the metaverse, and we're really like thinking about it in a way that maybe boomers like Guy and I can't figure it out, but they helped us think about it. So that's going to drop Friday morning. All right, Guy, let's talk markets. In about, what, an hour, we're going to get the, the Federal Reserve. This is an institution that you bow at the altar of. I mean, you like what else do you do? No, I you listen, really... thank God that they created the Federal Reserve when they did. Right. I don't know where we'd be without them. Uh, I, I know you say that in jest, and obviously 99% of the people here know that that was you poking fun at me. But I will say this now for the 101st time, of the many villains of the 21st century, and there will be many, at the top of that list will be central bankers, specifically these geniuses at our Federal Reserve. Now, look, I I, I don't want to have this conversation because you don't want to have it, but what I will say is this. You can't do the counterfactual, so I don't want to try, but in my opinion, we'd be so much better off if they had just gotten out of the way many years ago like they should have. But here we are. And we are we are become slave to every move they make, every word they say, and that is problematic. Who is slave to it? Markets are at all time high. Housing prices are at all time high. Yeah. Crypto Why, is at all time high. And, and if that's Come their on. mandate, then they've done a tremendous. If their mandate is to make the wealthy wealthier, then they've done an amazing job. If their mandate is to create a chasm that's never been wider in terms of the wealth gap in this country. Uh, then they've done an amazing job. I don't think either of those are their mandates. No, I, I, listen, I, I, I agree with that. But when you think about this guy, I mean, one of the reasons or, or two of the reasons in, in the financial crisis and then again in, in the throes of this pandemic, I mean, they, they dropped interest rates to zero. They started quantitative easing both instances. They've obviously expanded uh, the balance sheet you know, tremendously. I mean, we don't have to have that conversation, but uh, here's the thing that happened in 2020. Uh, we didn't have... Like credit markets seize up. We didn't, you know, have a prolonged recession. And I understand the whole Darwinism, you know, sort of aspects of it. But um, and again, you can't prove a counterfactual, but we didn't have a credit crisis. And a lot of people, while they're still underemployed relative to, let's say, pre-pandemic, um, we, the, I, I, 
listen, I'm as surprised as you guys. I thought the scar tissue on our economy would be like very evident at this pace. But like, think about where we are with inflation expectations and all these bottlenecks with supply chains and, and pricings of goods and services. And you know what? We're, we're, we're okay. We're, you know what I mean? Like we're, we're, we're coming out of the other side of it a little bit. Don't you think yeah. you agree no, with that look, a little bit? I, listen, in terms of markets, yes, we're fine. I mean, Why don't you without mean markets. But markets I mean, have a way. I mean, they—that's the ultimate judge and juror—is the—is the S and P five hundred to a certain extent, and the Nasdaq to a certain extent. I mean, that's what everybody looks at. So a lot of people will say, "Hey, look, markets at all time highs. Things must be great." And I don't think it, it couldn't. Nothing could be further from the truth. We've just masking over problems that have been around for the last twelve or thirteen years. And you know, we like to think of ourselves as this great capitalist society, which is complete horse hockey, as they say, because what we've done here, and I've said this for years, Dan, and you know this, I we know. capitalize gains and we socialize losses. And that is anything but capitalism. No, I, I listen, I, I get it. Um, you know, I, I think that, that I know that, you get it. I'm not that here word to, needs to be I mean, it's all good. You want to know what sticks out to me, by the way, amongst me, there are a lot of things that stick out to me. Um, I just read something about the Chinese ramping up their nuclear ambitions. Um, not that they have ambitions. I mean, they're fully en ensconced. But look at some of these uranium stocks. Specifically, look at the move in CCJ over the last you know, six to nine months. One of the things we don't talk about nearly enough, and we probably should start, um, is what's going on in uranium. Anyway, that, I just happened to take a look at that, which is why I wanted to leave with it. But there are a lot of other things uh, happening as well today. Yeah, you know, Brian Kelly, our friend on Fast Money, he often mentions uranium stocks. I don't even you know, know how to spell it or where it goes in a reactor, but um, you know, not my jam here. All right, guy, let's talk about this. We're like an hour away from the Fed telling us that they're going to start to taper. They buy $40 billion of mortgage-backed securities. They buy $80 billion of treasuries. This is combined a month. They've been doing this for months and months and months and months since the start of the pandemic. So they're going to announce a taper. They're, which that means they're going to buy less bonds. <laughs> going to buy less. Month. Buy less. Okay, but here's the guy. You know, so I, went, I tweeted this yesterday. Maybe Amanda can find this tweet because she is Johnny on the spot with the tweets. Um, I went back and looked on your birthday in 2013, guy, in December 18th. You were, what, 68 back yep. then, okay? The Fed started to taper their quantitative easing. I think they were buying like $80 billion, um, in bonds back then. This is still – this is like four years after the financial crisis, right? Um, they were just coming off of this – um, you know, this, this kind of like heavy quantitative easing one, two, Q, remember all those things? And they started to taper. The market was up about 22% in, in the, in mid December, it closed up 27%. It raged. And the quote in the article from CNBC, cause I Googled it was like the fed starts to taper bond purchases and markets close at all time highs, which yeah. I thought was pretty fascinating. If you look at these charts, they are identical this year versus that year. I don't think there was a 10% drawdown in 2013. There was a bunch of like 5% drawdowns back to the uptrend and then they bounce off and within a month or two be making new highs. Pretty interesting setup, don't you think? Yeah, I think listen, I think you're exactly right. Uh, and and well done with your research and you used your Google machine extraordinarily well. I think the problem I think the reason why people are concerned, I, and I'm, by the way, I don't think the taper to me is not a big deal in terms of what it's going to do to the market. I think what people um, mistake, and maybe I'm one of those people, I don't think so, is back in 2018, not only did the Jerome Powell come out of nowhere and say, hey, by the way, 
we're reducing our um, balance sheet. And he also said they were going to start to raise interest rates. And I think that double whammy seemingly out of nowhere, I think, scared the market. And I think that fear or those, you know, those scars are still with the market participants now. I think that they're somehow um, trying to equate what happened then with what's potentially going to happen now. And I don't think that's what's going on. I mean, people, we say it all the time, a taper is not the same as a rate hike. Yeah, well, let me ask you this, guy. Why are why is the ten year yield? And I know that the two ten spread is flattened a bit here, so you have the two year at like point forty eight, and you have um, the ten year at one point five six. Um, why 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 is the ten year still below where it was in March? Um, you know, when it was like kind of all systems go, if you will, um, as far as the economy. I don't. Yeah, think that's a good really question. Pricing in Delta. I wish I could answer it intelligently. I can't. Obviously, you mentioned the fact that the two's tens has been narrowing, which I guess in some ways that might actually be worse than just 10-year yields going higher. I don't know. I'm not an economist. I say it all the time. I'm not smart enough to be or humorless enough to be. But I'll still say this as we're into November. I still think there's a chance we see 2% by the end of the year, and I'm going to stand by that. And we'll see what these geniuses say in 45 minutes or thereabouts. Um, I don't necessarily think that's going to be the catalyst, but a lot of these, look, a lot of the numbers that have been coming out, regardless of what um, people want to say to the contrary, have been very hot in terms of inflationary pressures. And again, what's your definition of transitory, I guess, is what it comes down to in terms of, you know, where they are in the cycle, they being the Federal Reserve. Did I lose you? Dan must have gotten uh, yeah, a, Dan must have gotten a call. Uh, no, I, I think this. I, I don't think the transitory thing really matters anymore. I think at this point, when you think about where you know, so we had expectations for Q3 GDP that were six, seven percent, or something like that at the start of Q3. It ended up being what two percent. That was basically the average of the pre-pandemic ten years, the pre-pandemic, right? And so now expectations for Q4 GDP. I think GDP now has it like seven. I don't know, maybe a little higher than seven percent. I think the assumption would be that that is lower than expected, right? And so maybe it's some of these continued bottlenecks uh, with supply chains or inflationary pressures or this and that, or whatever. I mean, who knows, right? So all of a sudden, though, we're going to have a back half of 2021 where growth was much less than people expected during the first half of 2020, right? And so maybe that kind of continues. I also saw a stat the other day that um, – you know, consumer like savings is back to pre-pandemic levels. So maybe we've eaten through a bunch of that, that, that kind of the, the goodies that, that a lot of people had uh, on their balance sheet, unable to spend it and that sort of thing. And it seems like people are spending like crazy um, right now. Um, I, I don't know. It just, I, I feel like the growth thing, I, I know that um, maybe, maybe it's just reflective. Maybe yields are reflective of the fact that growth's not going to be as exciting as um, some people thought maybe three or six months ago. And maybe we do have a stagflationary environment, which I don't know, sooner or later that should hit stocks more than the taper in my opinion. What else to see? What else is interesting to me is um, moving some of these banks, obviously lower today is quasi interesting. I think um, you just, again, the moving Citibank has just been remarkable in terms of how lousy it's performed. I mean, I think it's up marginally today, but I mean, Citibank since what I want to say, what middle of August, I mean, the stock has been completely underperforming its peers, which is, I guess interesting. Citibank below seventy. That sticks out to me. Um, it's I'm probably the only major U.S. bank guy that's below its two hundred day moving average, which I think is really interesting. I mean, the stock, like you said, it's gone nowhere. I do think it's Goldman Sachs 
broke out yesterday to a new all-time high. That thing's been consolidating, um, you know, in this range. I mean, it actually had a nice little bump after its earnings, but um, I thought that was an interesting breakout. I also think the SoFi, we've been talking about that one, you know, I own that one. Um, and that thing was like a rocket ship from, I don't know, the mid-teens to 23 of late. It's a big um, Percentage-wise, it's been a huge move. You're 100% right, very quietly. I well, think a lot of people got frustrated fair, with it. I started buying it at 17 and it went to 14 and mm-hmm. now it's back at 23. Um, guy, what about these credit card, these processors that, you know, like these things can't get out of their own way. I think that's pretty interesting. And I also think all of a sudden, dude, and you've been gone for a week, this PayPal acts like dog shit. I mean, like literally, literal dog shit. I mean, that stock was trading above 260. I think it was close to 275 when that rumor came out that they were going to spend 40 or $45 billion for, um, for Pinterest. Pinterest. You know, it's, 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 it's a interesting. lot more than $40 billion in market caps. No, and, and so much. I think what the market is saying is whether or not they were, whether or not that was going to happen or not, I think to me, the market is saying, wait a second, what does PayPal need to do something like that? Are they concerned about their growth yeah. um, forecasts and where they are in terms of their maturity? And are they going to have to make a move where they basically overpay for some some sort of growth engine, which I think is interesting. To your point about Visa, I mean, yeah, now it's getting a little worrisome because you're talking about levels we haven't seen, I think, since the spring of this year, having traded up to a 252, what was the all-time high in Visa? Over the summer, and now we're down around 208, which is a pretty significant move. You haven't seen a move. We've seen sell-offs in MasterCard and Visa, um, most significantly, obviously, in February of 2020 into March when it went, I think, from an all-time high of 210 down to 140. But this is pretty significant. Um, This is the first one of this magnitude in, in a very long time. Now, you're still in a pretty significant uptrend, but I tell you what, and I think you would agree with this, you know, you start to get a close below sort of, this 205 level or so, and then things get a little dicey. Yeah. You know, I I think that when you have prior market leaders and the market cap of those names, like acting the way they do, you got to pay attention. Here's a couple other names. We just mentioned PayPal, PayPal and Square both report next week. And I I think there's going to be really important um, when you think about growth and and you think about valuations and and how those stocks react is if Visa and MasterCard, which, you know, are trade much richer than than many other sorts of names within like financials, however you want to define them. It's a kind of wide swath. Um, You know, the way that they have acted, I I have to assume that has something to do with valuation, has something to do with some of these fintech startup or uh, upstarts, you know what I mean, the competition. But if Square and PayPal, um, you know, if if we're going to see multiple compression there, I think that you can extrapolate that to like lots of other parts of the market. That's just my my two cents. So I'm really actually very interested to see what sort of uh, reaction they have to their their forward guidance. Yep. The other thing I think we just have to talk about briefly is the move in some of these retailers. I know you probably talked about it on Fast Money last night with uh, Bed Bath & Beyond, but Macy's today, again, you know, Macy's, it's a huge move today, but this is on the back of what's been a very big move since the spring. I mean, this stock was, a, I think, a $7 stock, maybe even lower in the spring. It's a $30 stock today. It's not like Macy's has reinvented themselves, but all of a sudden these retail stocks are trading like, you know, it's back to mid-90s again. It's remarkable some of the moves we've seen. And it's not only Macy's. Obviously, I mentioned Bed Bath & Beyond, but there's some other names as well. I just think that's worth just bringing up briefly. No, Macy's was $7 a year ago. Now it's $30. I I think one thing that you missed, Guy, while you were out the last few days is like meme stock mania is back, baby. 
and I don't know if you saw, you know, GameStop at one point. So last night during Fast Money, we were talking about um, Avis. And I don't know, did you see, hey, guy, are you going to stop ruffling your thing here, whatever you're doing? Um, we were talking about Avis, and the stock is starting from like, what are you doing? From like three. I'm not doing anything. I'm right here. Definitely ruffling something. Somebody was um, right. 300, like 500 or something like that. Okay. Did you see that chart? Yeah. I mean, we talked about it on air. You know, I saw it because Carter well, yeah, brought guys, it up last all of week. All of a sudden, AMC. That's right. But all of a sudden, AMC and GameStop, as we're talking about it, start ticking up in the aftermarket because it's just like I don't know. I like it's like it's like uh, meme stock fever. And I also think it's really interesting that. Chegg yesterday, Chegg, okay, online, like, education platform. Got cut in half in one day. And I just think there's a lot of weird price action right now that, um, you know, it's kind of like some shoot first, ask questions later. And then on the upside, these short squeezes, some of the stuff's crazy. And, you know, today, here's Activision, new 52-week low guy, down 15%, okay? And, you know, this stock is now down 37% or so from its highs in February, how can we have just so much like like discrepancy in individual names? Is there so little work that's being done on, on individual stocks that in one fell swoop that Snapchat could have been down twenty five percent like that? You know what I mean? On that's one exactly day after right. the results, that's exactly what's going on. And look at Zillow. If you want to throw one more name in, because we had um, I forget his name, but. During the Iris Stone conference, I think it was last week, we had somebody come and pitch Zillow as a best idea. Oof. And, I, and I watched the stock go from like 88 to 93 during our show. I'm like, this is ridiculous. And now you saw what happened to it last night. But to your point, that's all it is. I mean, it's just people chasing momentum um, on whatever, whatever, pla- whatever proprietary platform they use. That's exactly what's going on right now. And it is a few people doing uh, a lot of people doing the least amount of work possible, trying to get as rich as they possibly can. And you and I both know how that ends. So we'll, we'll see if it continues to play out. It definitely feels like there's a bunch of like late stage um, action going on here. And, you know, I mean, listen, it all makes sense when you think about where we are. We got, every, oh, you know, finally, guy, while you were gone, the Russell 2000 broke out, made a new all-time high, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, and so, you know, we finally had, Small caps confirming the multiple, multiple, multiple new highs in the major, like large cap averages. But that is, that's a pretty imp- impressive breakout here. So, you know, I mean, if you're looking at the IWM, I mean, that what's the level? It's like 234 or something. Well, that's like that. the other thing I was going to mention the breakout in the Russell today, the IWM is at a new all time high. And that's the one that has not basically verified or validated any of the moves in the other broader markets that's breaking out. And I don't, I can't, I wish I could tell you why that is. I don't know. But one of the things I said for a while is you need the Russell to sort of give you a sense one way or the other. Now the Russell, by the way, you know, it also topped out back in March when yields topped out and then it went sideways for six or seven months. Now we seem to be breaking out, but keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on that today, especially in the wake of what's going to be this, this fed commentary, if the Russell reverses today on after an all-time high on big volume, that could be a tell as well. Yeah, and you also had your Dow theory. I know when you and Charles Dow penned that white paper, you know, yeah, hundred yeah, years ago, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the transports have, have really like literally gone up in a straight line over the last you know few weeks or so. I think that's kind of interesting. They have not made a new high, but they're within a whisper of it, as you might say, guy. Um, what are you thinking in the crypto? Have you been following, you know, um, Ethereum, ETH? 
um, has made a new all-time high over the last few days here. And it's interesting to me that um, Bitcoin has not yet. It did last week, and it was trading very well. Uh, but it seems that we have NFT week going on here in mm-hmm. NYC. Is that why you came back, Guy? Uh, yeah, and, no, well, yeah. I was required to come back for NFT week. But to, uh, it's part of my contract. I'm not allowed to, I'm not allowed to be away for more than right. two of the NFT days. So, yes. So I do, I do think it's interesting, though, in NFT week. And, you know, what's really different about, like, this vibe here in New York this week is it seems very different to a lot of the excitement in 2017 where there was this, like, retail craze around ICOs. And, and uh, you know, like, you just would see all the – all the bros and there were predominantly bros rolling up to these like events, you know, in New York and Miami and their Lambos and everything like that. And now it seems like this is very much um, about, you know, how are you like representing your status and identity online? And, and it's the, you know, again, NFTs, I just think that pretty interesting. And we know a lot of these are built on uh, Ethereum um, and obviously Solana also, but it's interesting that both of those are making new highs and Bitcoin has not. Um, Guy, anything else sticking out to you? I know you've been gone for a few days. You got the VIX at 16. Like we said, rates can't get out of their own way. They're just consolidating. Crude oil down today, 3%. What do you think of that? Well, yeah, you know. I think, look, I mean, it's still, I think it's just taking a pause, to be honest with you. Um, that That is my sense. We'll see. There's obviously been a lot of talk around crude oil recently in terms of everybody playing politics with it. Um, and I don't want to necessarily go down that route, but now it's become a, sort of a red state versus blue state uh, conversation, which I find to be fascinating. The other thing quickly that I thought is pretty interesting, some of the moves in these big cap pharma names, obviously Merck made an all-time, or at least close to an all-time, definitely a 52-week high, close to an all-time high. Eli Lilly back on the on the beam once again. And this is in the wake of uh, Senator Sanders and some of the comments he's been making, which I found interesting. We'll see what happens with Tesla. I still think... Uh, 900 the back and fill down to 900s in the cards although at 11 1180 that does not look like it's going to happen anytime soon so those are things that are sort of sticking out to me dan nathan yeah i think the tesla thing is pretty fascinating i mean um, as far as like market cap terms if you think about 900 to 1200 in less than i don't know 10 trading days and you know that that is like you know what is that 250 billion dollars in market cap in such a short period of time and you know you read all the fancy articles it was a gamma squeeze in this and 99 percent of us don't even know what a gamma squeeze is but you know this is reminiscent to some other you know squeezes that we've seen in some names not too dissimilar uh you remember one in uh what was it in volkswagen guy remember that 13 that was epic i mean that was that was one of the first times you know, I mean, when that happened, nobody, a lot of people in the equity world never seen something like that before. Obviously, in commodities, we used to see it all the time. So that's interesting. Now it seems to be commonplace. By the way, the other thing I think we have to talk about is I think Qualcomm is after the belt today, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, pretty interesting in terms of, you know, we've traded down to and seemingly have held this sort of this 125 level a couple times. Uh, that's sort of where we broke out from this time last year. It'll be interesting to see what Qualcomm says in the wake of some of the other big cap uh, uh, chip names that we've heard from. I still think they're the have and the have nots. Clearly, Intel is on the have nots. I think in terms of what Texas Instruments said a couple weeks ago, they might sort of be in the middle of the pile. But AMD, NVIDIA winners, and we'll see if Qualcomm can catch up in some way, shape, or form. I'd, I'd be surprised if it does, Guy Adami. Hey, if you guys have some questions, queue them up. We'll take them. We're going to get out of here at 1.30. Um, I wanted to get your quick take, Guy, on 
the lift uh, up seven and a half percent. It was come off a little bit from its highs. Um, you know, we talked about it earlier in the week with with Coco Beware, uh, Mike Coe um, on an options action hit. He was previewing it. He was seeing um, it must have been on his heat seeker, one of his proprietary systems. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Some call buying in the 50 strike out in December, which uh, was interesting because the stock traded um, above there today um, on, on a little bit of a squeeze. If you looked at that chart, we talked about it that day, um, you know, kind of held, the, you know, at a level where it gotten down to it like 44 a few times since, you know, January or so. So that was setting up. Look, for a short quickly, squeeze, the, but- the problem with Lyft is if, if you, I mean, if you, if you technical, for you technicians out there, I think the stock traded 68 in the spring, right? In March or so. Since then, it's made a series of lower lows and lower highs. Uh, the lower low was uh, May when it traded down to 48. Then it bounced up to 61. Then it traded down to 45 and a half, 46. Traded up to 56. And now you've seen this move down to 45. So <laughs> that lower so You're saying low it's in a highs. downtrend is what you're saying. I'm saying it's in a downtrend. I, I What I'll tell you is if you really want to get bullish in this thing and it's Listen, it's it's light years away, but it needs to close above sort of fifty five bucks for it to break that trend. Fair enough. I, I may take a crack at it on the long side here. I mean, obviously, it's a little. I think bit it's the right move. Squeeze. By the way, I, yeah. I, listen, I think the right thing to do is I think you get long the stock here, and I think as they say in trading parlance, you buy the double on a on a on a close above fifty five. Yeah, listen, the hard thing that you have right here, guy, let's see where it closes. If it fills in that entire gap, that is horrible price action. It tells you that the stock gapped up 12% or something like that, and it's on nothing but sellers all day long. Um, if it can kind of hold and then kind of find a little footing around 50 bucks, I think you stop it at like $45 or so. That's your stop to the downside, and you see what happens here. You know, um, Uber's going to report tonight, so that will be uh, one to watch. Um what about, Guy, what about this F MAGA complex? So since you've been gone, Facebook changed its name. So we got to get rid of the F MAGA. It's just kind of MAGA, but then Tesla's bigger than Facebook now or Meta or whatever you want to call it here. You know, I thought like Amazon and Apple, you know, their reaction to their results versus Google and Microsoft last week um, was really interesting. But I think for the broad market, like the good news is that with the Russell kind of making new highs today, you're seeing the market kind of broaden out here a little bit, right? And and so that's that's a good thing. And that is a good no, that is a good thing. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, first of all, I mean they can change their name to whatever they want. Facebook, it's, it's you know, I, I I don't think I will ever refer to them as what you just said during uh, Fast Money. Number one, I mean, the Facebook is Facebook to me. Symbol still FB, as they said in, uh, I believe it was the movie. Uh, coming to America. His mama named him Clay. I'm going to call him Clay. And they named him Facebook. I'm going to call him Facebook. So that's number one. The existential risk of Facebook does not go away because they changed their name, by the way. And I think you agree with that. Um, this is a business I think they can dominate. And it's obviously a lot of people are very excited about this metaverse, and I get it. Um, but they still have some serious issues they need to contend with. Yeah, I mean, one of them is that they really haven't particularly innovated on anything. They bought a bunch of interesting things over the years. Um, you'd say Instagram would be one of them. I mean, people are not using their core, you know, web page. You probably have one of those blue websites that say mm-hmm. Facebook mm-hmm. on it, that sure. sort of thing. Um, but, you know, Instagram, I mean, they're worried about, you know, the youngins like going over to TikTok and, 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 and Snap, obviously. So um, it'll be interesting to see if they can 
kind of re um, reintroduce we had, we had some young Greenfield viewers. on one of our Twitter space. He came on a Twitter spaces with us, and he came on our podcast, and he specifically said that the most powerful social media platform out there is TikTok, and everybody is light years behind them. So if this is going to help Facebook catch up, good for them. But I think they got a lot of it's a lot of a lot of um, miles to go before they sleep, as they say. Yeah, I mean, guy, the biggest problem is that, you know, to get into Facebook's metaverse and there are going to be multiple metaverses, you got to put on these Oculus things, you know, so we're like hardware away from it. The irony is back in 2012, 13, you know, Google Glass was probably the best thing going relative to some of these other. Now, that was more of like an augmented reality than a virtual reality. And these are the sorts of battles that are going to play out over the next few years. So at least... Um, you know, they say it's going to be open source uh, for the most part, and it's not going to be a walled garden. But if you need their hardware to get in to their metaverse, uh, it'll be interesting to see how um, this thing plays out. All right, Guy, what are you expecting here? we got a couple minutes. Um, the Fed's going to come out. They're not likely to have any huge surprises here. The expectation is what? They're going to taper $15 billion um, a month, or is it a meeting? A month, I guess, or a meeting? I think, no, I think it's a month is my understanding. So yeah. that gets them, obviously, from 120 to 105. But, I mean, with that said, the balance sheet still increases. So although it's going to obviously increase at a slower pace, but they're still increasing their balance sheet. So to me, it's not about the taper. It's about if they make any language, if there's any language whatsoever about where inflation is in terms of their expectations, and if there if there's any sense that they're concerned by it, that's what I'm listening for. Yeah, I mean, I suspect that it's not going to be like one shred more hawkish than like anyone thinks it could be. It just they have no reason to do so. The headline is that the Fed begins to taper their quantitative easing. And if markets are going to do their thing, what they do, they're going to immediately like either rally really quickly and then sell off really quickly or vice versa. And then they find a thing and then they grind into the close a little bit. And then maybe next tomorrow, they just kind of reverse that move right all together. I guess I'm I'm more interested in seeing how the bond market reacts than the stock market because with the vix at 16 the s p the nasdaq and the russell 2000 all at all-time highs they're basically telling you they're not particularly concerned about the things that we know right the bond market is the one that's acting very curious to me and i'm very interested to see how that reacts when we get the news that we expect agreed i mean and i think by the way i think you're 100 percent right we've seen five six basis points moves over a three or four minute period of time, um, a few times over the last five or six months, I think you're about to see one again. I, I think I know which way it's going, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens. In you think it's like, going higher. And, and to me, the most fascinating thing will be if rates, if yields sell off. Mm -hmm. we get I agree with that. Headline. And I'm also really interested to see how crypto acts, um, because you would think that a tightening of financial conditions might be the sort of thing that would cause the Bitcoin um, just sell off, but who knows? Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll look for yields. We'll look for crypto um, stocks, uh, not expecting like a dramatic move unless they surprise that they're a bit more hawkish or to your point, the commentary around inflation, they change that kind of transitory tune in a big way, big way. I just don't think they're going to do that. So, all right, listen, guy, it's great to have you back. We really hope that you enjoyed your vacation out there in Utah. Amanda was amazing. We did a lot of fun stuff together. Um, please, everyone, check out tomorrow. Guy and I at 11 o'clock, we do a market call, MKT call. You can follow it at, at 
MKT call. Uh, it's at 11 live. Um, and the link will be on that Twitter. Um, we're going to have Liz Young from SoFi. She is the strategist over there. They're going to be a sponsor of the MKT call with us. And each Thursday, she's going to come on and detail her weekly uh, macro note, which will be great. So we're going to have a nice, heady macro conversation with Liz. Then Carter Braxton Worth of Worth Charting is going to join us. And we're going to break down um, some single stock research calls that is sponsored by fact set um and we love fact set and all of it is powered by open exchange so um tune in tomorrow 11 o'clock set your reminders for that want to thank cme group they sponsor these trading spaces um they're also the sponsor of our podcast on the tape we have a great episode wtf is the metaverse that's dropping friday morning but danny moses will be back with guy and me also and we're going to talk about everything fed markets rates inflation, all that sort of stuff. So thanks for joining us at Trading Spaces. We'll be back doing this Monday at one o'clock. You can also catch it in the podcast store in our On The Tape feed. So go there, subscribe to On The Tape um, in your podcast stores, rate, review it, share it, all that sort of stuff. Guy Dami, thanks a lot, man. That was fun. Later. Thanks for listening to this episode of Trading Spaces brought to you by CME Group. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter at underscore Trading Spaces and join our Twitter spaces every Monday and Wednesday live at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can also follow On The Tape in your favorite podcast store for new episodes every week.